Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Strive Golf Podcast. Devin here with me as always is my, my co-host, Sean. Sean, how are you? Not too bad. Just happy to be back another week. Still kicking. Yeah, love it. And then with us, we have a, another returned and, and always a special guest. Always a pleasure. Mr. Dallas Dane. Dallas, how are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, being up in Idaho, even, even colder than Salt Lake. Don't get to play a lot of golf lately. So this is my golf fix and I love it. Dude, you're starting right off the rip with the, the hate to see it segment. <laughs> and uh, we hate to see it being up in, up in Idaho and being in cold weather. That's uh, that's not good. I won't. I'll, I'll just say it was about 80 degrees down here today. So, you know, it's, another it's incentive snowed. to get down here ASAP. I mean, it snowed this past week up north. Oh, so. gosh. Say it ain't so. Yeah. Uh, is, it, it, is it snowy it up snowed. there? in idaho uh no not right now today was actually nice but yeah this last week was pretty rough um i was, I was traveling for work though and and it rained where i was so the, the bad weather just followed me so. so no you didn't find it you didn't bring the sticks and weren't able to get out and play then i assume no i still I, I still took the clubs and, and still managed to get out but just had oh, to nice. you know deal with deal with a little rain <laughs> don't where, where was it where'd you play uh, in Tulsa, I actually played this cool uh, this cool course, and it might fit into our discussion that we have today. It's called the Patriot Club. Uh, really cool course in Tulsa, and uh, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Besides the the rain. <laughs> Sweet. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get your uh, your thoughts and recap on that. Cause we have kind of a uh, an interesting discussion. It was kind of Sean's idea, and uh, uh, I'm excited to to chat about it. But you know, we have to start off. It is it is Monday, and for those that don't know starting Mondays are a special day for, for Sean up North with uh, a local men's league he's playing. in. so we always are going to have to recap and get his, his, uh, if, if he's willing, uh, we're not going to put him on the spot always, but Sean, are, are you willing to give us a quick recap of, of the round today? Yeah, why not? It, it's always an adventure. So <laughs> love to share. Uh, yeah. So today was the first, first week of the year. And at the, course I play the the first week event is a one-man scramble and so the way that works is basically get two balls on each shot the way to ease into the the season yeah 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 yeah. it's shake the rust off play mulligan golf basically and yeah it's 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 a pretty fun format I I could only do it once a year though it's a it's a slow round yeah especially we had a foursome everyone hitting two shots right so it's basically playing in an eight sum um but I had an um, eventful start to the round. So the first hole is a fairly short par four. Basically, it's a mega wide landing area if you flip a seven or six iron down there. And then it starts to narrow up by the green. So played very strategic, hit six iron, hit the fairway. So good start there. So I decided to take a, a longer club, hit it up by the green and went three wood and hit it up into this neck run up to the green. So that was a great start. So I got a little 40 yard pitch shot for a second shot. So I'm thinking, okay, birdies in play, hit a good pitch shot to 15 feet. So I mean, not terrible. So I got a good look at birdie to start the round thinking to get it started on a, a high note and proceed to three putt and, and a one man scramble. So I, that's, a three putt. So basically I hit six putts is what I, I ended up uh, hitting before I, uh, I should finish. probably mute, so, yeah. mute my microphone. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing with you, bud. Not, not yeah. at you. And that, 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's a that's a three putt bogey to start in a a one man scramble. So that's truly truly hate to see you're it. Trying, you too. might still never mind, Dallas. We're gonna go and we're gonna default to Sean here on. You hate to see that. Yeah, truly hate to see it. So yeah, I I three putt bogeyed in a scramble. So <laughs> that's that's I gotta gotta carry that one for the rest of the summer. Uh, um, but yeah, all over the place. And then ripped off three birdies in a row after that, including an inc- like the next hole is a par five, and I hit this incredible hybrid from like two sixty to pin high. So walked away birdie there. Next hole is a par three, hit it to six inches. So tapped in there. And then the next hole, I hit it to like three feet and made birdie there. And then then I just, then I proceeded to just spray it. Uh, The course is on a mountain and I sprayed it all over the mountain to to finish. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think the first hole was a perfect summation. Great tee shots, decent second shot, and then a three putt in a scramble. So, yeah. That's... Uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of good stories to come this year because I don't know what it is about me and men's league, but there's always, there's always something. I mean, the last time I played men's league was the club championship last fall. And I shot a, I, I went 46 on one side and 34 on the other side. So that's it's quite the spread. Yeah, so that's 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 what you can come to expect from so that's gonna be immensely an exciting yeah. weekly segment if I do say so myself. And you know, knowing you for the for the years I have, it's even before the South Mountain Men's League, you know, the the, the McRiley Men's League held some some pretty great stories too. So all in uh all in good spirits and in good fun. But if you're I, if you're hoping I to play. share, we'd love to hear. I, I consider myself probably like a three or four handicap, but it's not like, cause I play consistently as a three or four handicap is cause half the time it's scratch half the time it's like 10. And so it nets out to where I am now. Just split the um, difference. Yeah. So I, maybe it's more fun. Sometimes I wish I would play like a three or four handicap just all the time, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's all over the map. So much more eventful this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing and looking of, forward of course. To, to more stories to come. So, of course. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and introduce the, the topic? It was your idea, and I, I, I loved it. I think it's a topic that should be discussed a lot more in golf. So, uh, break it down yeah. for us. Yeah. So, high level, we just wanted to talk about country clubs and kind of what we think about them and we think it's good for the game of golf. What's the objective of a country club? Uh, so just some high level thoughts really to start. So uh, Devin, you've, you've got the experience where you grew up playing basically primarily at public courses, right? Yeah. And that's just been in the last two years or so since you've moved down to St. George and actually joined a country club. So I guess how, how is your mindset about country clubs changed as as you had the opportunity to join one it's definitely changed uh because you know those that know kind of the genesis of golf for me was so polar opposite of country club and i yeah didn't like the country club i didn't like that that whole vibe of golf definitely turned me off way before i even started playing and then when uh, obviously especially when i started to play like it just didn't make any sense to me that i couldn't go down the street to 
Willow Creek or Hidden Valley and just play their golf course. Like it just, it just did not make any sense to me. So yeah, it definitely has evolved. And, you know, I, <laughs> I tread lightly here on my opinions, but uh, yeah, the, the, over the last two years, like I will say or a year and a half, or whatever, like it, it definitely has been very enjoyable and it has definitely kind of shifted my selfishly has shifted my thinking to, I think country clubs in general are, are good for a niche group of golfers. It's not for everyone, certainly. Um, but um, my view is just, it, it definitely has, has shifted to be a lot more uh, open-minded and, and it, and it makes sense for the type of golfer that I am and for the other, I don't know, 200 or so or members, whatever it is, it just, you know, it, it makes sense for them. So I would say how it's changed is, is really just obviously through experience, right? Experience shapes our, our perspective and our reality. And it just, as I've gotten more into golf and I'm okay to spend, you know, my disposable income on golf and as much, luckily, as much as I play, I definitely get that, that return and each round becomes pretty, pretty cheap as much as I play throughout the, the month. So yeah, I would say it's, it's worth it. And I've, I've, enjoyed it so that i as far as that specifically how my mind shift has has changed i would i would just you know say that so sorry waiting on the sneeze here this is no. great podcasting <laughs> Whew. oh i think we're good um at yeah, dallas what, what about you um what are you like growing up with golf what were your thoughts about country clubs and, and where do you stand now yeah, I'll kind of echo what Porter said. Like, I think there's definitely a, a place in the game for him. Um, growing up, I, I think we've covered on previous podcasts, but my town didn't even have a golf course, let alone a country club. So, um, you know, just, just having access to any golf for me was a, was a plus. But um, um, when I was in high school, my dad joined a, a club that's like an hour away from here. Um, and it was a country club, but they actually had a really cool thing where on Mondays it was open to the public to play. So six days of the week was, was fully exclusive, but the, on Mondays, anybody could come and play it. Um, you know, tea times were, were limited and members could still, you know, get a tea time on Monday and, and took priority, but any open spot on the tea sheet, anybody could come out and play it, which I thought was really cool. Um, and so like, I, I really, I think there's a place in the game for them. You know, there's, there's people who that's the kind of golf that they want and, and it works perfect for them. Um, but yeah, somebody growing up who, who played, very much public golf courses. And, and that's what I have always known. Like those will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, and that's kind of, I think how everybody gets their, their start in golf. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think both those are, are good points and it's, it's interesting. I think where, how different it is in different parts of the country here, like in Utah, it's very much, it's very much weighted toward public courses right like I think uh, in the area kind of where I'm at there's five or six country clubs and probably 40 to 50 public courses within about an hour drive of me and so it, golf is very much accessible for and always has been very much accessible for me um, but i I think it's not, I don't think it's like that everywhere, right? Because I, I don't have a ton of experience living in other places, but we did, we all lived in Dallas for a couple of years serving a church mission. And 
um, I mean, Dallas, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're probably more familiar with it, but I, it felt to me that there were a lot more private courses in the Dallas area as a, as a percentage of like total golf courses. Yeah, I think it varied a little based on like what part of town you were in. Um, if you're kind of in some of the nicer like suburban areas, definitely a lot more weighted towards the private clubs. Um, and I th there's some really like really nice private clubs that are in the DFW area. Um, but there's also some really good like hidden gem public courses. But yeah, that'd be a, a I'm actually kind of curious now to look up like what is the ratio of, of public to private. But I think that is really important, right? Like you said, you have plenty of access to public courses in your area. And I think that's kind of where you run into the issue is when there's just, there's so many private courses and so few public options that it really restricts people being able to, to play and, and enjoy the game. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I, I think too, Salt Lake's also kind of unique where there's there per capita, there are so many golf courses too, right? That's kind of another different thing about this area is there's just, for how many people live in this area, there really are a ton of golf courses out there. So I, I think we don't really feel that that squeeze as much as some other areas. But like in my mind, I, I think I still side on there probably too many country clubs in my mind. Like my thought is, why do we have to make it so exclusive, right? And I understand like, yes, it is for kind of a, a certain niche golfer um but as someone who loves playing golf and loves playing as many different courses as i can there's just something that kind of eats at me knowing like yeah there's a decent number of courses that i'll just i'll never be able to play um so i don't know that's something i struggle with a little bit i'm not gonna lie yeah no, i can definitely attest to that and feel that same way and like i said like i'm trying to take my recency bias out of this because like now that like because once you get into it like and bloomington is a pretty i don't know they're they're pretty like they have like these a bunch of these vacation rentals right on the golf course that if you stay there you have access to to the i mean you basically have the same access that i have to book a tea time and and you know, they probably even favor them more just because they're going to get, you know, the, the premium for it. So like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty open, but like it has kind of benefited in a way of like, because we're members there, you know, our club can call other country clubs and they can kind of allow us to play. So like for that selfishly, it's like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is great, but it, it definitely is like, you're talking about like trying to, again, we, as we listen to all like the, the golf content that we do, it's like the grow the gay thing is, is such a stigma now. It's such a dumb word, but it's like, the reality is like, I don't really know of any other way to get golf introduced to the general public besides like, I don't know, the first tee stuff, like I, I, the drive chip and put like, I, don't, I honestly don't even know how broad those are. Like you see those commercials all the time on the golf court on the golf uh, channel, but like, I don't know how popular those are popular they are here in Utah outside of the Californias the and the Southeast where golf is year round. But like, I really don't know of any other ways. Like it's not like school don't school doesn't promote it. Like they don't get a lot of, you know, revenue and team fees are pretty low relatively. So I don't, I don't really know how else you introduce the game to, to people uh, like junior clinics, but it's like the only way you're going to see about a junior clinic is if you're there at the golf course already and you happen to see the flyer and you kind of know how that works. So I, I don't really know of any other way to do it besides knowing that there are courses you'll drive by knowing that it's public and, 
a mom can drop their kid off there for six hours and have him be in a pretty good, safe spot and, you know, have him enjoy his summer. So I don't really know how you fix that. Um, but you know, the upbringing, but then you also see the upbringing in country clubs and, you know, it's kind of the rich breeds the rich, it seems like, but because like, there's so many kids, like there's a local kid down here and he's just, he's a freak. Like he's so good at golf and he's grown up on that country club. He plays every day year round. And, you know, he's at debt. Like when I look at how he, how he's grown up and how I did in high school and like how different and just like, man, I don't stand a chance and kids are just so good nowadays. So I think it does kind of hurt as far as getting golf out to, you know, the general public, but I would be curious to know, and I don't know if you guys know this, but like, as far as it seems like, I don't know, football and other things like that. And this is just something that I had, I remember I heard kind of passively and I don't have any stats or any research to back it up, but it seemed like in more of the affluent areas, say like a McKinney, Texas, for example, like there were three country clubs within like a, what, a two or at least two, um, like within like a couple mile radius. And I didn't really see many public courses, but it seemed like in areas like that, like football enrollment seemed to go down a little bit because I think some people kind of see the, the side effects to getting them involved in such a, a hard hitting sport where they can play golf and be introduced to it and learn a lot from it. And, you know, being able to do it long-term, not saying you can't learn anything from football. I'm just saying like, I'd be curious if that is like, do you all kind of concur with that? Do you think that that's, you know, just maybe in one specific area or what are your thoughts on that? Or like, how would you even do it? Like how, how do you get the game more accessible besides opening up all the courses and not having any country clubs? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. It's as you're talking about the football, I think golf isn't kind of the only sport that, that has sort of a similar dynamic, right? Cause you think of like kids soccer, right? There's like mm-hmm. comp soccer and it's like right. the families that are putting a lot of money into their kids playing mm-hmm. soccer, right? They have just other avenues that a lot of kind of maybe the general public don't necessarily have as far as that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like traveling basketball teams, right? So like on all these sports, there's, there's very much like tiered, right? Mm-hmm. And so like kind of stepping back and like, well, I guess it makes sense that, that golf is like that too, right? Every sport seems very much like there's a, a tiered access system, yeah. if that makes sense. And yeah. I guess other sports have like basketball, it's just easier. You can pick up a ball and shoot at the park or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or, but golf, it's a little harder to kind of pick that up, right? You need more of a kind of like a space that's actually like set aside for golf. Whereas some of these other sports, right? As long as you have some open room, you can kind of participate in that sport. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think that is, like you said, kind of a challenge that golf that, that golf does face. Yeah. But it's it's just so hard, right? For me, especially like selfishly, because I love the two and a half, three hour rounds that I get to play. And I know if I drive a half a mile east to the, a city course down here, stand no chance of finishing nine holes at that pace so like i totally love it and and really for me it's like i do it because like yes like that's like the main hobby that i do but you just kind of you pay for the convenience like with anything else you kind of get what you pay for and it's also nice in that you're meeting guys that have similar interests and want to play multiple times a week and always want to have like a, a side game going and so I don't know, there's just a lot of benefits to those that are 
hardcore golfers. And it's, it's just tough to say. It's like, well, you know, it'd be great if it was more affordable. Bloomington is very affordable relatively. Like there's only this one. And then Entrada is another country club down here, which is a lot more expensive. It's ran by Troon and it's, I mean, it's super nice. It's like right next door to my house. So I see it all the time and I'm, I'm envious, but it's like, well, it's a goal, right? It's something that I can work towards. Um, it's kind of this, this tangible thing that, you know, I told myself I will put myself in a position where I can afford a country club. And, and again, you're just, you're paying for for the convenience, not because it's cheap. You get it because it's, it's convenient. And it's kind of in my eyes, how golf should be like the way they make it quick and easy and the food and all that stuff is just, it's a huge benefit and it makes it very, very easy and, and really enjoyable. So I don't know. I, I, I'm just so like, I hate it because I'm so one-sided and, and biased, but because, but I, cause I totally get where other people are coming from. Like you said, John, there's a, there's so many good golf courses out there that yeah, we'll just, we'll not be able to play just cause we don't have, you know, six figures to drop on an initiation fee. Like that's just insane. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I kind of net on it is like, I'm, I'm glad they exist. And for me selfishly and just where we're at in our life, like that's just something I, I want to work towards. So it's kind of, kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I, it's funny. Cause I mean, it, on, on the outside, right. I, I come across as like, Oh, I, I don't love country clubs or whatever, but everything they provide is, is what I want in a golf course, right. Where pretty good pace of play course conditions are good mm-hmm. really those are kind of like the two <laughs> big <laughs> things it. i enjoy in a round <laughs> right? like if, if i can play a a, a well-paced round on a course that's in good shape and the greens are rolling well then that's that's fantastic in my mind um and like don't get me wrong like you can get you can get that on public courses maybe not so much the the pace of play thing it's always probably going to play a little slow but yeah. But there are plenty of, of courses around me that are, are in good shape. It's just, I happen to, to work at one and all my playing privileges at the other courses, like the ones I play the most just aren't in great shape mm-hmm. typically. So I think that's where I, I get a little bummed out sometime. Um, but like, I, I'm very envious and country clubs just, they have it they have the business model of right. running a golf yeah, course yeah. down so well. Um, Cause I was, I was playing around the other day. So there's a local club uh, around me. So they have, I think they have 446 equity members is what they have. And I think they have to pay roughly with their food allowance. They have to pay roughly $820 a month. So if you do that math, that course brings in, $365,000 per month. And that's like fixed, right? They don't have to do anything. Yeah. So you times it by 12 because they get it every month of the year, regardless of winter, right? So if you do that math, just from their equity paying members, that course is clearing $4.4 million a year. And because at first I'm like, man, how do country clubs do it right if they're just charging the seven or eight hundred dollars a month for members like that doesn't seem like it'd be that much but you do that math and you get to 4.4 million dollars and then you take the course that i work at and we had by far our busiest year ever most rounds of golf ever played by like a wide margin 
And our course didn't even clear $2 million for the year. And a lot of that's like, right, we're closed for four months out of the year. We don't get play. But you start to see like, man, I mean, country clubs really have, and that's like ignoring the initiation fee and all yeah. that. Just, just from the monthly dues, they're covering that much money. And that doesn't even get into like your social memberships or all the money spent on food, merchandise, equipment, all this stuff that's coming through the country club. And you're like, they really have the business model for running a golf course down perfectly. And I've tried to figure out or think about how can we take some of that and bring it into like public courses, right? Um, and I just don't know unless you're charging really expensive rates. And I mean, I, I don't love that, but at the same time, maybe I'd rather have a couple of really nice courses charge $100, $150 a round of golf. And I just, my goal is to play those like once a year, right? So I at least get to play the course and it's really nice and it's kind of a treat that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how public courses can be profitable and put on like a pristine conditioned course. It's tough, yeah. especially in a place that doesn't get any rain, right. Where you have to like actually like artificially water it. So sure that, yeah. Well then throw in a bunch of government bureaucracy yeah. into that. Like you stand no chance. Like it's all things considered. It's like, well, the fact that there's 18 holes out there and yeah. I can hit it on. Yeah. I guess all things considered we're doing all right, but it definitely is hard. Like with just such a golf junkie that you are, especially how you're just so big into playing all these different courses, you know, and you're kind of handcuffed in a, in a sense to playing County ran golf courses. Like it's pretty tough. Like I can, I can, I get the, I get the perspective and, and the bitterness there. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think Bloomington is a good concept. Cause like you said it, I mean, it is still very much a country club, but there is a little more accessibility there. Cause I mean, heck I've, I've played it probably like 15 times now. Like it's, you can get me on whenever, which is really nice. Right. Cause that's not the case at, at a lot of country clubs, right? Like their guest policy is, is oftentimes a little more restrictive than that. Um, but like makes me wonder, is there a model out there where you have a golf club per se, right? Maybe you pay monthly dues, but it's a little more open. You still kind of reserve your tee times geared toward like your monthly paying members, but you don't necessarily have like a 500 equity membership group, right? That you're capping. Maybe you, you have a, a larger group that you let buy into or pay the monthly dues and try running a course that way. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Almost like a hybrid method. Do you think there's any any logic or sense behind something like that? Danny, go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, that's kind of the only real like country club experience I've ever had was, you know, the, the club that we were members at for a little while was like that. And, and it allowed people the opportunity to play it, which was really cool. Um, and I have always kind of thought that, like, why can't it be that, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, once a week that people can come and play it. Maybe it's once or twice a month that people can come out. You know, there's always slower days that a club can can identify. Maybe it's in like the shoulder or off peak seasons. Um, and maybe you do it through like a lottery or you know, there's tons of ways that you can come up with it to to make a place accessible for for people. And so, yeah, I, I really love the idea of that model. Maybe it's just because it's like the only really country club experience that I knew was, you know, before we even joined there had, had been able to play it just because it, 
it was accessible at certain times, which which was really cool. And I think that's maybe even what what led to us being able to or wanting to join it was being able to play it and seeing like, yeah, this is a really, really cool course and and uh, you know, it's a cool atmosphere. Right. No, I think that's a good point because that's even how, I mean, it's funny, my buddy Victor who lives down here has been on, like he's lived in St. George for a long time. And to, and in his mind, joining a country club was not even something that he thought was possible. Like he just thought it was just probably just way too expensive up front. And it's just not something that he wanted to do. He was working at one of the city courses as a cart boy just to get free golf there. And I just remember, I can't even remember how, how I was able to, to go and to go play Bloomington. Cause I mean, I mean, we've been St. George golf has been a huge thing for so long and it's not till the last two or so years that Bloomington even became a thing. And it's just because we were, I think it was from my dad. My dad knew a member there and he invited us out to play. And so we were able to play. Um, and they actually were thinking about buying a house down in there. And anyway, so we got introduced, we were able to go in and play and I played, I'm like, man, there's nobody out here. The greens are, so good like this is and then i and then i so i got me curious got me looking and i look on the website i'm like oh that's actually super affordable if i were to ever live down here i would 100 do it and you know fate has it like eight months later i did and that was literally the first thing i did i didn't even unpack the loading truck or anything like oh i put just i get there i made sure i got there before my wife jumped opened a box put on a collar shirt drove over there money down joined got back and she's like, where the heck did you go? Well, had to go take care of some business, you know? So it was literally the first thing I did. And it, it only would have happened because we got, and we had some type of opening to the course and be like, man, this is actually pretty, pretty affordable. So yeah, I think that's a, a great way and a really good option to getting people involved. Because if you just, if you open it up a little bit and people love it, it's just like with anything, if people find value there, they'll find the money. Like it doesn't matter if you're purchasing a car, if you're a country club membership, if you're buying a software, if you see value, you'll find it. So it's kind of what, what we did and what I think we'll continue to do as, you know, our, you know, as things move on and if we move and all that stuff. So, but I think the hybrid model is great and, and opening it up and not being so exclusive. And yeah, it's like, there are so many it's like a gym membership, man. There's so many members. Like I've, I ran into members that I didn't even know were, were full equity members. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm Bloomington's favorite member. I play once a quarter and I pay my monthly dues every month. So it's like, there is plenty of that going on. There's plenty of open tea times, you know, open it up a little bit um, and, and let it be more accessible. So anyway, that's, another a, a great one i'm pretty sure i don't know how like pinehurst and all them do it. the guy i was talking to on the flight i mean he kind of he played with a, a member who's a member at pinehurst and so you know i think they also obviously have a very like kind of similar model to hybrid to those that live there pay there and get a good rate yeah, but it also obviously is open to the public and they just you know charge premiums for it so um it definitely can't be done and again if the course is good enough it doesn't matter. Like, dude, people, Sean, you did it. You went out to the freaking barren dunes of Western Oregon and had the time of your life on some sand dunes. Like if it's a good enough course, people will find it and people will, will pay to play. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, the battle I'm going, the battle I want to fight is I want to 
I just, it drives me insane when you have people that are members of these country clubs that never play, right? It's just a status thing, right? Yeah. Like I've met, met some people up north here, obviously like wealthy business owners or whatever. And you talk to them like, oh yeah, I'm a member at Hidden Valley. I can't remember the last time I played or whatever. I want to strangle them. I'm a, I'm a member at this club. I don't remember the last time I played. Like you, you're just like, why? You literally paid... 50 75 100 grand cash to join this club you pay 750 dollars a month to be a member of that club where it's geared toward golf or whatever and you don't play golf and then you're telling me i can't play that course just because i don't have that many zeros yeah in my bank account i that that, is, that that's that my is everything peeve. that is wrong with golf <laughs> and the country goes 100 percent. you know it on the head there like that is everything that is that that's wrong uh, yeah so but i think that's one of the things that like gives country clubs a bad name right like either people like that who use it as a status symbol or yep. uh you know clubs that are just like so outrageously expensive but like Devin, like you were talking about like your club it's not you know played there a couple of weeks ago and absolutely loved it so it's not like a shot at it or anything but yep. right like it's not it's not Augusta national. It's, no. it's affordable. Like there's public courses in St. George that are, are probably way more expensive to play once yeah, or even twice a month than, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like there's courses on all ends of the spectrum on the private and public side. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like everybody likes to, to hate on country clubs for being private and exclusive, but I mean, there's, you know, Pebble beach is five, 600 around, you know, like it's, but it's a public course, so it doesn't take any heat for, for charging that. But right. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I totally agree. And so yeah, I, I think it's a good topic though. And I think that is <clears throat> yeah, you know, I wish there was wish we had some some pull and some influence on on some of the courses down here or some other country clubs. But I mean it definitely is like it this the status thing, it's that's very much a real thing and i don't think there's any nothing we can do to to fix anything like that anytime soon but it is unfortunate that kind of because that was my experience dude i didn't like it and you know it just some of the the kids that i knew like this it just seemed like any junior golf like ujga tournaments that i would play in like kids wore the you know the name like their local club where they were like you know like they were just so proud and i had like river bend you know, like this crappy oh county course but it's like you know when i would play with kids that were members at like willow creek i just they were i'm not gonna lie they were just kind of the douchiest kids and they just thought they were were cool but I, again i don't how, how do you kind of take that out of a 14 year old kid when he gets to play this really nice course that not everyone can play so i totally get it and i'm sure i would have been that way too so it, but it is unfortunate and it and it can you know paint it in a negative light and turn a lot of people away from from golf so because it did for my dad 100 percent. so anyway yeah it's 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 an interesting conversation for sure it's almost kind of like a, a class system right like the, the haves and the haves nots yeah um, and golf is already kind of more of an exclusive there, yeah. sport anyway right and so to take an exclusive sport and make it even more exclusive right kind of the uh the stereotypes the yeah the stereotypes are 
un- unfair sometimes, but I mean, there, there's definitely some merit, right? To, yeah. To a lot but, of what you hear. So. And like, we all know like Eric Anders Langman, his whole thing, he talks about how he's like, he very, he made a very conscious decision to, to quit the, the country club that he was a part of. And I think that's kind of, he's trying to foster that exact type of like the benefit of a country club is you have this group of guys, you have this, this group of friends that you can go out and do this with. So I think, you know, stuff that he's doing, like, thankfully we have guys like that that are trying to foster that same type of environment, but do it in a more open setting um, and be a little bit more, more inclusive, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, Sean, I'd be interested to see you take all the country clubs in Utah that you have to play and uh, see how long that takes. And Hey man, you put your mind to it. You'll, you'll find a way to check them all off your list, but I'd be curious to see how long that, how long that would take. Hey, it's, yeah, there's definitely avenues. Um, like I've played, I've played a fair few because I mean, a nice thing they have um, every year, there's usually like a Utah golf association member days, right. Where a country club will open up and say, Hey, if you've paid your UGA dues for the year, you can mm-hmm. come make a tee time and play. So they usually open that those up in the fall. So a number of courses participate in that. So they're definitely gettable. The ones that become challenging there's not a ton of these in utah but there's some exclusive you have to own property on the course to be a member there's a handful of those kind of up in the park city area that those uh those are those would probably be tougher to to knock off my list for sure yeah um and yeah i i mean I, i i don't really have too many thoughts on those kind of clubs right like i guess you're rich enough to own a house kind of in that area and there's a course up there like whatever you guys just you guys just do your thing up there yeah and having having played one of them it's uh it's it's quite it's an experience for sure and you stick out they sure as heck knew that i wasn't a member there now me rolling up in my outfit that i had i had a collared shirt though so hey what, what what can you say so but i i'm not gonna lie though that is like with that i don't know if you feel the same way but there is like this level of excitement to know like the night i couldn't sleep the night before i went and played it that's that promontory course like i was jazzed to play it and it was i don't know just something about it and like busting out a pair of you know fresh shoes and a new glove for it like i i i like i like to have something to look forward to so but i agree i think that could be you know on you know designating a public course to just that is a lot more expensive but it's it's super nice i think you know there there could potentially be that but anyway for sure and i i think yeah and i definitely think there needs to be courses like that right and you think of a lot of the courses they play on the pga tour right they're super exclusive clubs Mm -hmm. that bring in a lot of money but it also enables them to host professional golf tournaments right like think of think of augusta right with the masters they're bringing in i don't even want to know how much money they bring in from a membership group that can't even play the course what 75 percent of the year but you have people willing to to pay to be a member and it enables them to put on the masters every year on this just unbelievable piece of property right so there's definitely it's definitely a place for especially for competition golf um i just think some of these suburban country clubs could do, I don't know, it'd, it'd be nice to, to have a little more access into them or, or come up with some kind of model that 
makes it so a course can bring in money to to maintain it in a, a proper way, but still provide access to more of the general population, I guess would be my summation on, on how I feel about it all. It's well said. Well said. Well, anything else we want to talk about that or, or cover on on uh, on that topic? I think we've, we've hit it pretty well. And I think it's one of those we could keep coming back to as well as uh, right as we, as we get older and have more opportunities to play more courses, I think uh, kind of expand our horizon a little bit for sure. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, thinking of doing a quick recap, we, again, man, we keep saying it, got to put some serious, we got to put some real cash down, man. Got the winner again. Like it's unbelievable. That's like I think we went we went one two as well again. So that's just you know pretty pretty impressive stuff. But uh, we'll wise up one day and, <laughs> and do it. But what did you think of the tournament? I, I like uh, kind of admit we kind of talked about. I didn't watch as as much as I wanted to with this stuff. Like we had um, some friends that came down and we had a, kind of another golf. Uh, extravagant to play a lot of golf so didn't get to watch a ton um but i will kind of say like my my only like i kind of just like one takeaway one thought is i personally would like to see all four days or even if shorten it a day i don't know i don't is do all alternate shot i think i think the best ball is is a bit of a snooze like there was one section that i was watching where yeah it was it was the best ball it was on it was saturday i caught a little bit and i just was kind of like i could i could do without this to be honest because alternate shot is just so like it there's anything can happen and anyway I, that would be my only like overall takeaway from from the week besides you know xander and, and Kelly just playing unreal and you know shooting 59 like just that's insane but i just wish it was all alternate shot honestly pros are almost they're almost too good for best ball right to your point where yeah the it it almost makes it more boring as you said because they're so good right it's like yeah like you're only gonna see birdie birdie fest and (laughs) yeah and it just it just gets long and I mean, I've played in some, some like you do like some serious best ball tournaments and they are, they're fun. Me and Victor played in one last year and it was a lot of fun, but it was the slowest round I've ever played. It, like it was, it was, it was tough. Like it was, it was miserable by the last hole. We were like, we were literally out there for almost seven hours and it was, it was bad. So I don't know. That's the only, that would be my suggestion is, is like, it's fun to do, you know, that format with us for sure. Like a little two man thing, but yeah, I think alternate shot would be a, a good change there. But, yeah. What, I think I'm, I'm with you there. Four days of alternate shot. That would be, that'd be pretty wild. I think yeah. it make for some good watching for sure. Yeah. Any other takeaways though from like our or things that stuck out or just any takes on on the tournament itself yeah i mean like like you mentioned cantley and shoffley they they played so well but i mean not shocking right they were probably the the favorites going in and uh they definitely played to that status um they because they they had a huge lead going into sunday right 
Um, and it got a little tight, I guess, during the middle of the final round, right, where, where Cantley and Shoffley made a couple bogeys and and let some of the field back into play, right? But anytime you're going to have a, a five or six shot lead going into the final round, uh, yeah. chances are you're going to close the deal. Um, so never really in danger. Uh, I, there was an interesting moment, though, on the back nine. It was in uh, with uh, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. They ended up taking second, but they had a, an interesting moment with a, a drop where it was a short par four. I think it was hole 16 where whoever was hitting the tee shot was going for the green and there was water left pretty much the whole way left and especially up by the green and the guy hit his tee shot and from the tee they saw it land on grass and kind of ricochet into the water right so the assumption is oh it landed a, on this on the inbound side of the of the red line so mm-hmm. we can drop up there right which is by the green and and i think they ended up chipping up and, and making their par but Come to find out when you go to the, the TV replay, the ball landed inside the hazard and then kicked into the water, which at that point, right, the drop would have to come back to wherever it, it crossed the hazard, which would have been much mm-hmm. further back. Yeah. And so that, that brought the question up for me or what I was thinking about is in professional tournaments where they've got cameras on every hole, even starting on Thursday, right? Like at mm-hmm. some point, do you just do you just go to the camera? Do you not let guys, and I'm not saying they were trying to cheat. Like they legitimately from back on the tee box, they saw it land on land and ricochet into water, right? There's no way they can see the red line. And the rules official didn't have a great beat on it. Like at some point, do you just bring everything in house to a a replay center and just radio it on like, Hey, yeah, that never crossed the line. You guys better drop back by the tee box. What are your thoughts there? Do Do you want to take out the human component thing? I mean, obviously it would only be a thing for professional golf. Yeah. There's a, you can't do that in amateur golf, but I do think, I do think you can sort of bifurcate the pro game from the amateur game, right? Like for I sure. don't, I, don't, I think pros can play slightly different equipment. I think they should be held to kind of different rules. And I think you could utilize that more. Right. But yeah. what, what are your thoughts? I'm all for bifurcation for sure. Like, and that's with the distance thing, with all that stuff, with the balls, the equipment. So I completely agree. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we're not going to get replays on, you know, our two, our, you know, two V two best ball who gets to pay for lunch thing. But I do think, I mean, these dudes are playing for millions of dollars. Like I a hundred percent, like how quick and easy they can get access to just pull up a quick iPad, go back, view it. Like there's, there's so many times like where it's happened where I've been watching and I'm like, and I'm just kind of screaming at the TV. It's like, dude, just look at, have them go to the nearest camera guy and pull that up real quick. They can see it's so obvious. And I think there, it just, it protects the field. It makes it equitable for everybody. Cause guys like that. Yeah. That was unintentional. We're trying to cheat, but you know, there are others out there who have been accused of, of a plenty of, of being in there. One specifically of, of uh, Patrick Reed. It's uh, hard for me to say his name specifically besides the other name we have for him. But uh, like, I'll never forget the one at Torrey Pines. Like when he won, was that two years ago? He, like he pulled his his second shot way left into some thick thick rough goes up i'm i am of the opinion he saw it bounce but he goes gets a terrible lie so he looks at this old lady this volunteer asking her if it if it bounced kind of pressuring her to be like i don't really know and he's like well she didn't see it bounce so it probably didn't bounce and he gets relief and it's like okay we all saw it obviously bounce and they could have easily seen that if they just would have gone to the tape so 
I'm a big fan of it. I think with the technology and how easy it is nowadays, it's not going to slow up play too much. I think that's the biggest concern. I was like, cause we know <laughs> Sean knows college basketball and they go to some, some replays. It's uh settle in. We're going to be here a while. Like I hate that just as much as the next guy. So, but I think they're, you know, they can quickly come. Cause I think even without it, it could take even longer with them going back and forth and arguing that's happened plenty of times. So I'm all for it. Yeah, what about you, Dallas? Yeah, same. Like with the pro game, there's there's so much technology that's available to them. And like you said, they're playing for millions of dollars. And uh, the other thing too is like where the PGA Tour is leaning so heavily into gambling on the on the events. Like yeah, that's a good point. You know, living in yeah, living in Las Vegas for a little while, you see like just how strict the casinos are and their <laughs> their rules on like the most simple games, right? But then you kind of have this this other event that's being bet on that they have like no control over that the rules are just like, yeah, I, I think it saw it bounce up here. So we'll just go ahead and drop it here and on our way we go. But like, yeah. you know, imagine if, if you would have had money on that and, and lost or won oh, one way or the other because of it, like, and, and knowing that it, it had video evidence of being correct or incorrect. Like it just, yeah, there's, there's just a lot riding on the pro game, you know, people's jobs and, and things like that. So I, I think it's, with the technology you might as well use it personal gambling think, debts you know yeah. and if you were to see like dude sun king and joel damon like get those two in a in a in a room together on a podcast and there'll be some heated words but it's like dude that we all know what happened there he basically accused joel damon accused sun king of, of cheating and he got a drop where he didn't feel like was appropriate where he got this drop and ended up taking like third place and i mean that's a big difference between third and sixth like that's a big, big swing. So it's like, we got, we got the technology, you might as well use it. But yeah, it's a good point, especially when it comes to the future of golf, what it's going to look like in three years with how accessible betting is going to get, like it's, you're going to have to have something like that. So that's a good point. And I, and I think too, it, it kind of puts, it puts fellow pro golfers in some uncomfortable situations. Cause you know, I try to put myself in their shoes. So say you're in the group with Billy Horschel and Sam Burns and, you have to basically, you have to make the call or work with them to decide where it crossed. Right. And are you really a hundred percent paying attention to that tee shot? Are you like so zoned in? Cause you have to hit the same tee shot, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of swing I'm going to make, what kind of club, where I'm going to try to land it. And then all of a sudden you're thrown into basically the center of attention. Like, Oh, Hey, by the way, did you see where this cross? Like, uh, I mean, honestly, not really. Right. I'm trying to figure out the shot I'm about to hit. So think it puts them in a little uncomfortable situation and then plus there's already so much about the pro game that's different anyway right because like fans line mm-hmm. poles so that tramples down rough or you get relief from fans there's grandstands everywhere that pros get relief from that you wouldn't get when you're playing the course normally so there's all this kind of extra stuff associated with the professional golf tournament that's like okay I, we're already making exceptions there anyway like yeah. what's a couple more right like to get more a more fair tournament. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good one. That's interesting. Cause I've thought about that plenty of times and I know there's been kind of on the other end. Like I remember a couple, a couple of years back uh, it was the LPGA and I'm pretty sure it was Lexi Thompson. Man, I wish I would have thought about this more before I brought it up. Cause like it's fuzzy that the memories, it was a couple of years ago, but I remember they had some, they had a fan like through Twitter 
call in on that like her ball moved when she was setting up to address it and they somehow got a hold of the tournament and the tournament went to the rules official they went back and reviewed the tape and actually made the change and and assessed her the the penalty and that was like the first time that i remember anything like that happening and it was kind of like i, I don't know it seemed at the moment it seemed like really unfair that like no one caught it the players didn't catch it she didn't call it on herself and then some random dude in Iowa calls in and was like, Hey, like, did we not see that her ball moved? Like, I don't know. It's kind of, anyway, I just think it, it takes that, that variable out just to be very clear with, with the, uh, with being able to go to, to the film. So anyway, it's a good point and kind of an interesting thing I haven't really ever thought about. So, but again, I think the betting thing is, is the kicker that's going to, really force some changes there coming soon so it's, it's still it's a shame we haven't actually bet on some of these picks like you said Debbie, idiots. because it's it's <laughs> been such idiots. it's been a good run dude i'm 30 minutes away man i could easily easily place this but i know some you know maybe some uh <laughs> sketchy ways to do it but you know we could do it and we should but anyway but that's Anything else there? I mean, I, I don't even know what tournament is next week, to be honest. I don't even know if it's I there. Just, maybe. I just had I just had to look it up. They're playing in Mexico. I don't believe it's like a WGC. A, or no. I don't think it's a WGC. It's just a kind of a, a normal field in Mexico. Interesting. Um, it's interesting though. I'm looking up the odds. This is this is kind of different. You don't see this a lot. So John Rom's in the field. He's the favorite, right? He's, he's sitting at plus 500 odds. Second place is plus 2,000. Usually you don't see that big of a gap. Jeez, between that is quite the second. Yeah, usually your top five are all pretty close together. But who is it? It's uh, John Rahm's favorite, and then Abe Anser, Finau's third, and then Woodland's at fourth, Patrick Reed's at fifth, right? So that kind of – it's definitely a, a weaker field, I would say, that, that's uh, got okay. is John Rahm playing – is this the tournament that that Patrick Reed won? Not too. No, wait. That was the WGC. He won down in Mexico, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I, I just remember Patrick about Reed this winning tournament. a tournament in in Mexico, and I remember the courses because they were just flying the ball like so. Far. I don't know what the elevation was, but it, I remember. I just feel like I remember. I remember that, but yeah, I don't know. I guess you know. <laughs> My pick's fee now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, hate to see those odds. That's that is an interesting swing, and then you know, honest Abe with the uh, the home field advantage there. Maybe I don't know. That's an yeah. interesting odds, but so yeah, I I don't know. Having knowing nothing about the tournament, I, I think I might I try to tune in a little bit this week and just yeah. see what uh, we've got. Just high level, what does the schedule look like? Because the PGA Championship's got to be coming up soonish, right? Yeah, Southern Hills, and I think it's mid-May, right? Um, uh, so we go Mexico yeah, Championship, the, uh, yep. then Wells Fargo. Yeah, then are the you Bayern going to that? You're going to find it. I am, season? I have. No way. Uh, oh, dude, I already have Saturday, Sunday tickets. I, oh, sick. Oh, yeah. Dude, live pod yeah. from, from the PGA. Let's go. Yeah, we'll do it from the clubhouse. The uh, Okay, so I, I have some really, really uh, – 
good benefits that come with my job. When we go to, you know, certain airports, they have really good connections in the community. So last year I was able to go out to Southern Hills and watch the senior PGA that they had. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we were, we were guests of the airport there and the airport had allowed the PGA to park like a hundred courtesy cars at the airport. So they gave them a foursome the morning after the tournament. So we were able to play Southern Hills the morning after. Oh my gosh. Um, and rumor is that the uh, the same agreement is in place this year. So Monday Let's morning go. we we may be <laughs> we may be live streaming from the dude. How do I how do I apply? <laughs> I gotta apply to get this job, dude. That's sick. <laughs> oh man, awesome. Let's go. That is yeah, unbelievable. So I'm, I'm, not that I'm counting down the days to that one or anything. Yeah, no, no. You see, you're, you're on the exactly where it minute, was. So. <laughs> May nineteenth, twenty third. Dude, that's unbelievable. That's so cool. So, Wait, yeah, so is, uh, is it yeah. in is it in Tulsa then? Like pretty much main Tulsa, or is it kind of yeah. outside of it a little bit? Yeah, it's it's like right in the heart of Tulsa. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Interesting. Oh. I I think I, I you heard. just but I think you just booked yourself a a, a repeat a, a reoccurring visit on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say we'll compensate you for your time, but now that's uh, I think you're gonna be compensated enough with uh, with that trip. So that's gonna be cool. I- yeah, fingers crossed it comes through. Since I said something, it probably won't happen. But, you know. <laughs> All right, either way, yeah, that's, I, uh, I played it a couple yeah. times last year and it was awesome. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited to watch the uh, tournament. That's cool. There's nothing like that to be able to like contextualize holes and shots. Like that is the coolest. That that's that's so cool. So we'll be defaulting for you on a lot of those takes so yeah that's gonna be uh, yeah so like wells fargo and then yeah it looks like at&t and then we've got the the dfw swing coming up with with tulsa kind of smack in the middle of it there so awesome yeah and then, yeah because yeah, they're playing they're playing at craig ranch they're playing craig ranch at the byron nelson right yeah mm-hmm. there's no they, they played that there last year right yeah last year was the first year they moved it over yeah didn't, didn't cool. they move to that one course kind of that new course they opened up trinity hills or whatever and then trinity forest yeah, yeah trinity, all the pros already, complained about it really didn't, didn't they hate the other one too yeah don't they hate most of them yeah that's that's true <laughs> well it's tpc now so you know they got they gotta you gotta true it yeah or prefer that but have you, did you guys play craig ranch i can't remember i feel like you guys did you dirty dogs but I were just driving. We gave by it every it. effort. Because <laughs> there was that one member that was a member there. And we we're like, P days any day. You tell us when you can play and we'll, we'll adjust. <laughs> oh, incredible. But, uh, that'll be good. We got some good ones coming up. So, yeah, really. I mean, once we kind of get through this next week or two, the summer, pretty much week in and week out, there should be a fairly elevated field. So, yeah, that's going to be. That'll be awesome. So yeah, Dane, we'll definitely be, uh, hopefully we can get you on before and after and get your, your picks. And you're like, Cause I don't know anything honestly about Southern Hills. Like I don't know a single, I don't know if I've ever seen it on TV that I can remember. So I know it's been there. Other majors have been there, but I don't, I don't recall. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been redesigned too recently. So it's, oh. uh, it's really sweet. I want to, I want to say Gil Hans, but don't quote me on that, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of everybody's first look at the redesign, but uh, it's, it's a really cool, Really cool club, and uh, yeah, pretty excited to watch the pros play. It, it is tough; it's very tough. So we can expect winning scores of like 15, 20 under them. Just, just a smooth eight. Most likely, yeah. Most likely. <laughs> well, 
Scotty Schiller saying it's like one of his, it's like his favorite course I heard him say. And I was like, well, that, that raises some eyebrows there. That could be scary. Sean, you are can't gonna, pick him. You are can't. we going to have the Scotty slam? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Actually, unless we pull our money together and we, we put some money down, then you can. And then if I have some investment in that, then 100%, you can pick Unfor- Unfortunately, the way Scotty's trending, man, he's going to be down there with like Tiger in his prime odds, right? Where you, you're, just, yes. you're not making any money off of that bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like some of the sports books in Vegas exist solely because of Tiger's like rise right like it just yeah. sure you can put all the money in the world you want on tiger we ain't paying out anything yeah exactly yeah that's true but uh well good man that's just good it's gonna be fun but i you know this is this was this is good this is an interesting topic that i feel like yeah like i said all the stuff that you know the country club aspect should be should be covered more because i think everyone has such individual takes like we talk about with most things like with golf you know there's things that come you know pretty foundational but different perspectives is always, uh, you know, it, it bears, it bears fruit. So anyway, if nothing else, man, should we, we can wrap it up and, and do this again next week. We, you know, we had to kind of call an audible. So shout out to uh, another Dane, Dane Carlson, who's the, the wedge golf, who was originally going to have, and he, uh, he got hit in the dome with a golf ball <laughs> while he was shooting, while he was filming. So that was, uh, you know, I texted, we were texting. He's like, yeah, I'm actually in the ICU about to go in for some surgery. I'm like, holy smoke. So good vibes his way. Shout out to him. But uh, another, you hate to see it, but hopefully we'll we'll have him here soon. But anyway, Dane, Sean, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining and and uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Keep striving.